doing it over three weeks, you're going to have days where it's really easy to go meditate. You're going to have days where it's really difficult to go meditate. But at the end, once you put in 21 reps, you're going to notice that that headspace is much easier to achieve. It's Thursday, October 20th, and this is the Breathe and Think Better podcast. We are a live show that takes place on TikTok weekdays at noon Pacific time. We discuss topics surrounding mental health and mental fitness, and we explore actionable techniques we can all use to live a happier and healthier life. Today, Jake and I answer the question, what is breathwork? We also talk about how to get into a meditative state and share some wisdom that we've learned from neuroscientist Sam Harris and OG breathwork instructor Dan Brule. If you want to learn more about breathwork and meditation or find some free resources, be sure to check out the show notes of this episode. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast and consider sharing it with a friend. We would really appreciate it. Let's hop right into the conversation. Hey, Jake. Hey, Danny. Happy, what day is it? Thursday? Happy Thursday. It's Thursday, and we're starting Breathe and Think Better live in typical San Diego fashion, 22 minutes late. Hey, you know, sometimes you just got to let things unfold as they will. The reason why we're late today is because I just had an hour and a half conversation with Dan Brule, who is one of the godfathers of breathwork. He's been teaching breathwork since the 1960s. Godfather. I like that. We found out about Dan Brule from our conversation with uh, Todd Newman, right? Todd, Todd is a, uh, he was on the show so last week. I'll, uh, I'll toss that in the show notes for anyone listening to this as a podcast. You can check out that episode. But Todd is a uh, breathwork practitioner and teacher, and Dan Brule was one of his main inspirations. And that's how we, he kind of got put on our radar. And uh, Jake reached out to him and had a, a long conversation with him. The OG breather. Yeah, when Todd was on the show the other day, he described Dan Brule and his education around breathwork as a honeybee, like pulling from different practices. I definitely got that vibe from the conversation I had with him. His energy was through the roof, and he was, he is out in Baja, Mexico right now, and he's eight months into a nine-month sabbatical of just going off the map and totally recharging, rejuvenating his body and mind. I love that. I think, and I, I did hear him say too, he was, he used the analogy. He was like, you know, it takes nine months for, for a mother to, to grow a child and it takes nine months for someone to rebirth themselves. And uh, I liked that. I think that, uh, I think that we, we could all use a nine month <laughs> sabbatical out in Baja but uh, I think that he's definitely going to be an influence on some of the things that we do. For anyone who's just joining us, this is Breathe and Think Better Live. We're a live TikTok show that takes place on weekdays at noon. And we talk about meditation and breath work. And today, I would love to answer some questions. I was on, live on my own page a few minutes ago, and we were, we were generating some good questions and conversations surrounding breathwork and meditation. So if anyone in the room has a question about meditation or breathwork that they'd like us to answer, go ahead and toss that in the, into the comments and uh, we'll pick some to answer. But I think I was having an interesting conversation with someone about what is the point of breathwork? That was his question. He kind of came into the conversation a little cold, didn't really understand what we were talking about. But I think that's, that's a really valid question. 
Like, what is breathwork? What does breathwork do? And what, what I shared with him was that it can really do anything you want, right? We say all the time that the breath is the remote control for the mind. So what are you trying to control your mind to do? You know, do you want to cultivate concentration and focus? Do you want to relax and calm down? Do you want to prep your body for movement and exercise? It really all depends on, on what you're looking for. But I think the bottom line and what I shared, shared with, with this gentleman was that it can do anything you want. Breathwork is a tool that you can use to alter your physical and mental state. And it's a powerful tool, really powerful tool. And he was asking me, you know, well, what do you use it for? And I mean, it's the same answer, whatever I'm looking for. You know, typically I will use breath work to calm down. I think that that's, that's where it falls into play the most in my life. When I'm experiencing really high levels of energy or emotion or anxiety or worry, stress, even anger, using the breath as a tool to calm down is so effective. And again, it's not something that most of us are taught. It's not something that most of us know, but it's, it's so powerful. And, and his follow-up question was, well, is this, you know, is this something that scientifically happens in the body or is it something you have to believe? And I, again, it's kind of both. You know, I think it, there's definitely physiological things that happen when you do certain breathing patterns in the body that you can measure. But I think also bringing in some, some intention and, you know, some clarity on, on what you're looking for is important too. What do you think about that, Jake? What, what do you, I mean, I know we practice together a lot, but what do you find that breathwork can, can help with the most in, in your own life? Well, I was just talking to Dan about this, and there's two ways to practice breathwork. There's one way where it's breath awareness. So you're not changing your breath. You're just noticing your breath come and go. And then the second way to practice is conscious breath control. So you get two different outcomes with these practices. So the first one, the breath awareness, you are paying attention to your sensory experience and you're building up your concentration and your equanimity. So if that's what you're looking for, which I think we're all kind of looking for that in one way or another, that's one way to practice. The second way to practice is when you're consciously controlling your breath, you're looking for a certain outcome because you can play with the different rhythms and the different patterns, and those are going to create different outcomes for you. For example, on yesterday's show, we had Paul Spajats on. He's an Olympic, former Olympic pole vaulter. And at the end of the show, we practice an alternate nostril breathing exercise. Now, our nose is right below the floor of our brain. So depending on which nostril is working, because they alternate throughout the day, that's going to describe a state of mind that we're in. For example, if the right side of your nostril is open, you're probably more in an alert state to the outside world. If your left nostril is open, you're probably more in, in a state where your attention's focused more inwards at your body, more of a relaxed state. So you can approach the breathwork practice with different intentions and you can get different outcomes. If you want to put yourself in a more alert state, you can literally do an alternate nostril breathing exercise to put yourself in a more alert state. If you want to just increase your concentration and your clarity and your equanimity, you can do more of a breath awareness practice to put yourself in that state. So the purpose of breathwork 
is based on your intention going into the breathwork exercise. Because even if you're practicing simple, something as simple as a box breathing exercise, which is a four-second inhale, a four-second suspension, a four-second exhale, and a four-second suspension at the bottom, and you can do that with different increments, depending on what your intention is going into the exercise will change your outcome that you get at the end of the exercise. Because if you go into the exercise saying, I want to energize, well, you're probably going to take a more aggressive inhale and a less aggressive exhale. If you go into the same exercise saying, I want to relax, you're probably going to take a less aggressive inhale and just a deeper, fuller exhale. And so it really, the intention is important. And then how you choose to practice breath work is equally as important. Definitely. We, uh, we have a, another question coming in from Clover311. They want to know, when doing a guided meditation and trying to visualize ourselves, is there an easy way to get in that zone? And then they followed up and said they, that they try and have a hard time getting in that headspace. So I think th- this goes along with what, what Jake and I were just discussing. So you can use the breath as, as a way to help you get into that, that headspace and, and get into that, that sort of deep meditative state. So Jake and I's preferred method, I'll say, of practicing is to do breath work before meditation. So typically our, our, our bread and butter is a, is a box breathing practice into a meditation. And doing that, that box breathing and slowing down the, the forefront um, part of the brain, that helps kind of prepare the mind to enter those deeper states when you're doing sort of a uh, visualization meditation. And I, I have a ton of visualization meditations on my page, but they, they are short, admittedly. I do have, I think I do have one 10-minute one, but they are short. And it is very difficult to get into sort of a deep meditative state and visualization in just one minute. But when you're doing, you know, a 10-minute, a 15-minute, a 20-minute sort of deeper visualization meditation, prepping the mind with the breath, I think, can really help. Jake, do you have anything to add to prepping or how to, how to get into a deep meditative state? Yeah, sure. So first, I wanted to thank the native tiger for the likes. And to answer your question, Clover, it's much easier to get yourself into this state when you repeat the practice. You may have a hard time getting into that headspace in the beginning, but you have to think about how long you've been alive for and how conditioned your brain is to you know, pick up the phone X amount of times every day and how, how chopped up and fragmented our attention is just based on the society and the culture that we live in. And so to get yourself into that headspace, even after just a few tries, is a little bit unrealistic of an expectation. But if you come to the practice every day and you give yourself, they say 21 days is the magical number. You give yourself three weeks of just showing up and you know where you're going to practice. You have a chair in a corner of your living space and a time and space in your schedule. And that's where I'm going to practice meditation every single day. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to bring concentration to the practice. And I'm going to pay attention to my breath or my entire sensory experience, however you choose to practice the meditation. Or you can use a breath timer and practice something like a box breathing exercise, whatever the practice is that you choose to do, you want to do it for three weeks. 
And the act of doing it and repeating the process, you're going to find yourself able to get into that headspace much quicker. And it'll, it'll kind of take you by surprise because three weeks goes by really fast. It can also go by really slow depending on your perspective. And if you keep coming to the practice over, over the course of three weeks, there's going to be days where you are not going to want to do it. You are not in the headspace. But those are the days where you actually make the most improvement. And you'll notice doing it over three weeks, you're going to have days where it's really easy to go meditate. You're going to have days where it's really difficult to go meditate. But at the end, once you put in 21 reps, you're going to notice that that headspace is much easier to achieve. Excellent. Thanks, Clover, for that question. If anyone else in the, in the room has any questions about meditation or breath work, toss them in the chat and we'll address them as they come. But kind of as a, uh, as a follow-up to Clover's question, I was in this morning, I did a uh, Ask Me Anything session with Sam Harris. He's a neuroscientist, philosopher, meditation teacher. He has an app called Waking Up that Jake and I use, and we're both huge proponents of it. We really enjoy it. And in that Ask Me Anything session, one of the questions that came through was, how do I return to a meditation practice after a long absence? And I thought that Sam's answer was, it's what I expected him to say because we've listened to him for so long. But he just said, begin again. You just, you just do it. He said, it doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter if it's been two minutes or 25 years. Whatever it is, that's just a story that you're telling yourself about how long it's been and how tough it's going to be to get back in. That's just a story. And then on, on the flip side, he also said, he was like, it's also, it works both ways because you're not getting any credit. He's like, if you did it, if you meditated this morning and you're still, you know, you're sitting here and you can't focus on the words that I'm saying or, you know, you're, you're having these emotions and feelings and you're getting absorbed by them. He was like, when, then that's just, you know, it doesn't matter if you're meditating for 20 hours a day. It's that, that's also a story you're telling yourself. And Sam constantly says that there is no difference between formal practice and everyday life. And I, I always have to remind myself of that, that when you're sitting in, in a formal meditation and, you know, you're really in, in touch with the present moment, what's happening, feeling emotions, you know, noticing thoughts, not becoming absorbed by them, there, that is no different from how, that, how you can, you know, go through your, your daily experience. And I think what comes with, with the long-term practice is that ability to break those barriers down and let the formal practice kind of flood into your uh, your everyday life. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was fun to hear him say that. So one thing that you have to think of as well is just noticing that you're unable to concentrate is the first step. Because if you're continually lost in thought and you're unaware of being lost in thought, then that is, you know, I don't want to say it's a problem, but you're not going to learn if you're not even aware of what you're not aware of. And so the first step is understanding that, okay, my mind's going crazy right now. My entire experience is off the walls right now. Okay, what, what do I do about this? Well, you're in the right place. Like meditation is quite literally the practice for this. And so give yourself a little credit for figuring that out. And then in order to take the next step, you, you just have to get started again. You know, just like Sam said, you have to begin again. And you have also have to realize that, like, it's going to take some repetition. Like, it's gonna, like we said earlier, it's going to take three weeks in order for it to get easier and for you to start to see improvements. 
Yeah, Sam said in that Ask Me Anything session, too, this was in regards to a different question, but it, it's relevant here. He said that most people will go through their day-to-day experience constantly becoming unhappy. We, don't, we aren't always un- necessarily unhappy all the time, but he said that we're, we're constantly contracting back into unhappiness, and that happens because of a, a thought. It's almost always an inside circumstance that causes that unhappiness. It can be, uh, you know, outside, sure. But even something that happens outside, say, for example, someone cuts you off in traffic or even dents your car, hits your car, that is an ex, you know, an outside circumstance. But how you handle that is an inside circumstance. And he says we're, we're constantly contracting ourselves back into periods of, of unhappiness and suffering. And the majority of that comes from not being able to recognize that we are be, becoming absorbed by a thought. And if you, if you start realizing that your you know, thought, you're absorbed by it, and then you can pop out of it, once you find yourself doing that a few times a day, it's like a superpower. It's, it's realizing that, that the thoughts that you have, number one, most of them, we, we don't have control over the thoughts. And number two, we don't have to become absorbed by the thoughts. You can reach a space where you can recognize the thought and even experience the thought, but not let it totally take over our whole body and mind. And I think that that's the, that's the main teaching that you get, at least when you start meditation. The deeper you go, the more insight there is to find there. But just starting off, and that's what Sam highlighted today in his, in his questions, he was like, I want people to understand that we are spending most of our time absorbed by thoughts, and we don't have to. And spending time absorbed in thought leads to suffering. The less time we can spend absorbed in thought, the less suffering there is. And that was kind of his bottom line as to starting a meditation practice. And I appreciated hearing that from him because he's one of those people who has, he's been meditating for a very long time under a large variety of teachers. And like I said, the deeper you go into the practice, the more things you can kind of discover. And Sam often brings those things into his meditations. And they can, quite frankly, be overwhelming sometimes trying to understand the concepts. But hearing him say that, that understanding that, when we're lost in thought, it causes suffering, and we don't have to be lost in thought. You can pop out. I think that that was, that was great to hear him say and, and a great reminder to myself. And with the practice of meditation, specifically mindfulness meditation, the whole practice itself is building up your concentration, your sensory clarity, and your equanimity. So when you're having these thoughts, that's separate from the emotions in your body that you're feeling during everyday life. And so to break it down, like you have the mental chatter in your head, you have the mental image that you see that flashes in front of your eyes, and then you have the emotions in your body. Those are all separate. And to sit down with those and not try to wish them away or retell the story in your head to make you feel good. Instead, the practice is just noticing that, just being what's happening, just noticing how, okay, You know, I'm not really choosing my thoughts, which is an interesting place to start because I know before I started a meditation practice, I didn't know that I didn't really choose my thoughts. The test right now is you don't know what I'm going to say next, so you don't know what you're going to think next. And and so it's like we we really don't know what we're going to see next. We don't know what is going to appear 
in our visual field next. And we don't know what emotion is going to come on next. Mm -hmm. And so just understanding these, to me, provides a lot of relief. And the practice is finding clarity with these, with, with these images and this chatter and these emotions and kind of enjoying the process of it too. Like even if you don't enjoy the process of it, even if you don't enjoy the story of it, you can still become curious about hmm, what's going to happen next. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like what am I going to pay attention to next? Mm-hmm. Like what crazy thought or song that I heard on TikTok is going to start playing in my head next? Like <laughs> I say it all the time. And in my, you know, short little one minute meditations, I say, try and become the kind and curious observer of your experience. And I think that that's, that's an example of the formal practice bleeding into your ever, to your everyday life. You can adopt that sort of kind curiosity to the, to the universe. What is going to happen next? You know, where where is my attention going to go? What's going to grab it? Who's going to, you know, who's going to pop into my to my mind or who's going to make me laugh? Who's going to make me smile? Who's going to make me upset? We have no idea what's going to happen for the for the rest of the day, even the rest of this this short time that we're sharing together. We have no idea what's going to happen. Someone could pop in the chat and drop some knowledge that's so profound that we just have to stop everything and, you know, the live ends and that's it. Or, you know, you just you just don't know. And I think that adopting that perspective and that aspect is so beneficial to the way that you feel in a in a moment to moment basis, being a kind and curious observer to your experience. What is happening? What there was a a koan that Jake and I worked with. So koans or koans are these really short seemingly kind of meaningless phrases they're often like really whimsical and sometimes like they just make you laugh but uh there was there was one i think it was from um a chinese uh chinese philosophy or chinese i think it was from like the tang dynasty or something like that but the 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 koan the phrase that you worked with was what is this and it was you know as the story goes there was a meditation master and you know, that that was the question that he asked that led to his enlightenment. But it's it, it that is being a kind and curious observer. What is this? What what is all of this? And I think that adopting that perspective and that mindset can can alleviate a lot of suffering and just make your whole experience so much more enjoyable. Yeah, you realize when you go through life that you're applying concepts to everything. Now, this is an intelligent way to go throughout the day most of the time. Like we we need concepts to kind of navigate the world. However, there's things that happen beyond concepts and we can't use concepts to figure out what's going on beyond concepts. Although concepts can be a helpful way to understand. So it's like the concept of meditation we use to figure out what's going on beyond our thoughts beyond our emotions and beyond our feelings, which from experience is a really peaceful state of mind. Finding that space in between your thoughts brings me so much joy. Like when I wake up on the rare mornings, when I wake up with a quiet mind, like nothing's more enjoyable than that. You know what is more enjoyable than that? Having a quiet mind, listening to a good conversation. That to me is like listening to a friend share like a story that makes me laugh 
and I'm like present and listening and actually like going along for the ride with the story, that brings me so much joy. And that comes from a place of peace that comes from a quiet mind. And meditation is the practice of kind of quieting that mind. And in the beginning, the mind is going to be running crazy. You can't expect to have a quiet mind after just three weeks. I will say after three weeks, you will notice an improvement, but you can't come to the practice one or two times. And like, and even if you do have a great experience your first time, don't expect it to be that way every time because we're constantly changing. We're constantly evolving. Things are coming up that we cannot predict. And with the highs, there's going to be lows. Like if you experience joy, you are going to have a contraction of anger or sadness. Like it's just, it's the normal human condition. It's our human experience. Absolutely. Uh, Clover, thank you so much for sharing the live. We really appreciate that. Very good. And uh, we've got a few minutes left. We started at what, 12.22, right? So we've got four minutes left. I think um, if there are no... What were you going to say? I think it's you. Uh, Are you going to lead us in a a practice? Yeah, I'm happy to lead us in a a practice. So we always end end each show with uh, sort of a short meditation or or breath work. Uh, Yesterday, we did a a breath work. So today, let's do a meditation. I think that that's appropriate based on what we've been been discussing today. So I'm just going to lead us in a very basic uh, mindfulness meditation. So if you're uh, if you're not already seated, I encourage you to go ahead and take a seat. Um, if you're in somewhere that's safe for you to do so, I would ask for you to lower your eyes. And then I want you to just bring your attention to your seat. So bringing the attention right to the part of your body that's connecting with whatever it is that's underneath you. Letting the breath kind of come and go naturally. Don't have to change it in any way. And just really focusing on that connection between you and the couch or the cushion, the chair. We often feel like our awareness is coming from our head, our eyes. But if you close the eyes and you move your awareness into the seat, you might notice that that connection kind of seems a little loose. We don't exist inside of our heads, and this kind of proves it to us. Moving that awareness down into the seat, feeling gravity kind of pulling you down, feeling the support, really sinking the attention into that part of your body. When the mind wanders, and the mind will always wander, just gently redirect it back to that point of connection, back to the seat. Remember, we're doing this all with a sort of blanket of kind curiosity wrapped around our whole experience. Just getting curious about what can we feel in the seat? How do we know we have a seat? 
How do we know we're sitting? What does that feel like? Gently redirecting back as soon as the mind enters a thought or memory. Doesn't matter if you've been meditating for two minutes or 20 years. The mind always wanders. In meditation, we gently bring it back. In this case, to the seat. I'd like you to kind of wiggle your fingers and your toes. You can stretch the shoulders and the back a little bit. And open up the eyes. Show yourself a little gratitude for hanging out, talking about the human experience with us. And for everyone in the room right now, we really appreciate you. We appreciate the likes. We appreciate the shares, the questions. And we do this every weekday at noon Pacific time. Sometimes we're a little late, but noon Pacific time, breathe and think better live. If you'd like to listen to this conversation or any of our previous episodes, just search for Breathe and Think Better Live on your favorite podcasting platform. That's okay. If you were if you were late, uh, yep, TikTok, you can search for Breathe and Think Better on your favorite podcasting platform, and you can listen to this whole conversation. I'm going to post it as soon as we get out of this room. It'll probably be up in the next hour or so, and you can listen to all of our previous episodes as well. Thanks for everyone for stopping by. We really appreciate you, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Breathe and Think Better. Be sure to check the show notes of this episode for free resources and links to some of the topics that we covered. We'll be back tomorrow with a special guest, so stay tuned. Have a great day, and thanks for listening.